0: Parenting's hard, you don't know what to do. You're blaming your kids, but it's probably you. You love your
1: kids, and that you can trust.
0: Just remember your
1: kids don't suck. Welcome to Your Kids Don't Suck, cultivating closeness with your children through non-coercive conscious parenting. We're your hosts, Kara Tedstone and Ruthia Lee. Let's dive in and grow together.
0: Welcome to episode seven of Your Kids Don't Suck. And hopefully now that you're on episode seven, you really understand how much your kids don't suck and how maybe you suck a little bit and that's okay because there's a process <laughs> for healing our suckiness as parents. Um, today, the topic is Q&A. Our listeners have emailed us some Questions that they have. We asked for it. We got it. And now we're going to try to answer a couple of them. Um, Kara, anything you want to add to that?
1: No, I'm just really excited to hear Rathia take the lead on this question today. We got a lot of questions. Thank you guys so much for reaching out. It's really cool to see uh your questions come through in the email. They're all different and they're all really interesting. The first one though. I want Rathia to take the lead on it. And I'm really interested to see what you have to say. And and I'll ask you questions as you kind of answer it. So here's the question. The person that wrote us wrote us some some information before, but we're just going to read the final part of the email that asks the question. It says, my question is this. Now that I can see and identify the wounds that my parents left me with, is it worth bringing it up to them? Is it worth a conversation to say, hey, here are all the ways you hurt me as a kid. Can we talk about it? I want to feel closer to my parents but I'm terrified this convo would just devolve into the blame game, quote unquote, well, I guess I'm just a terrible mother or father, etc. I would love to know your thoughts on this and other potential ways to heal those parent wounds as a childless adult. Right, so this particular person does not have kids. So that's mm-hmm. interesting.
0: Um because we're we're looking at this question in relationship to guiding you in non-coercive conscious collaborative parenting. But if you don't know by now, um, I've been a therapist, a trauma specialist for at least 28 years, probably more now, um, working with people with just horrific pasts who are in a deep healing process. And and something that happens a lot in the therapeutic experience is people start to uncover how much their parents hurt them, neglected them, abandoned them, abused them. I mean, it's that's a lot of what like good therapy is, is uncovering our denial and figuring out how to grieve and have feelings about what's unresolved. Right. That's what that's what good therapy is, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And what happens sometimes is people uncover something like, oh, my God, my mother's a narcissist. Like, actually, she never saw me. Everything was about her oh my God, that was horrifying, you know, and, and this is what it caused and this is how she didn't show up for me. And, things like, and the first thing, like even in the first, you know, month or two where people are realizing that they want to go talk to the parent, <laughs> that happens so much. And I have yeah. to say, don't do it. Take a long time, take a year, take a, take a year or two before you have to re-engage in the um, reality uh, war, <laughs> The war, you know, because most parents, most parents will deny and minimize and gaslight and and defend. And that's the common response when when their adult child says, oh my God, I realized you hit me, you spanked me, and it totally fucked me up. And the parents like, well, you know, you deserved it. You were blah, blah, blah. You know, you were always acting out. You were my most challenging kid. You know, I tried everything with you, you know, whatever. Before you have to go back into being gaslit again, and crazy made again, you deserve a period of time where you just get to have your feelings about what happened. Sometimes it takes 10 years. Most of the time, if your parent is open to learning, you already know that they're, they're looking at their stuff. They have a healing process. They've already come to you and apologize for things. I mean, it's not going to be a mystery. You'll know that your parent has an opening. And if you don't know, you can always try, but it's going to be pretty clear pretty quickly hmm. what i don't think is useful is um putting yourself your inner child or your actual real kids back into those situations that hurt you in the first place you know and that's i mean there's a huge spectrum of how engaged you could be should be might be with your dysfunctional um very wounded regressed parent Mm -hmm. you know some people figure out how to have boundaries and accept their parent the way that they are some people have to go to therapy with their parents and really fight for being heard some people really do have transformative experiences with their parents when they're older you just never know but a lot of people just re-engage with the dysfunction and just hurt themselves all over again for years and years and years. I have, I have some clients who just like, they're doing so well, they're really growing a strong adult. They're growing a beautiful life. They go back for, for Christmas. And then we have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. It's the saddest thing. It's like, Oh, let's just, now we just backed up a year and we got to start all over again mm-hmm. because you're back in the program. You're back in the denial. You're back into thinking it's your fault. Um, and we got to take it all apart again.
1: So I guess what you're saying is it's it's really complicated. It depends on the instinct that the writer has about how their parents might receive this and if there's openness to change and exploration on their end. Right. Yeah. And they're saying they're scared they're
0: going to get back into the blame game. I mean, basically, you would test it once or twice. And then if that's what's mm-hmm. happening, then you have to figure out how do I protect myself, create boundaries So that I don't have to keep being re-triggered. Yeah. You know, I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of people who were sexually abused as children by their parent, And they never, ever get validation. Ever. And they just have to decide that they believe themselves. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really intense and tragic and sad.
1: Yeah, it's really painful.
0: But it's the only way. Because when they, when survivors doubt themselves that's when you start getting into you know self-harm and suicidality because you start turning on yourself and then it's really hard to have a life so when you believe yourself then you start to be able to build something
1: yeah what's really sad for me is when folks try to open the can of worms and then go back into the place and like you said have to start over and then re-internalize with all of their new information and the new stuff that they've built in their life all of that then goes into the pattern again they have to bring all of that with them
0: yeah will you say more about
1: that like can you what does that look like i do some work too with families um in the kind of the repair or the i'll, I'll take my myself and my client will invite the parent we'll do some conversation maybe the client has really grown and changed and really come into themselves and experience life in a way that makes them really happy and they're really proud of their accomplishments and then we kind of have that conversation with the parent, if it doesn't go well, it can leave them really questioning and self-doubting all of the choices that they've made in their life. Now, previously right. things that they really felt proud of um, and worked really hard on, like you said, it kind of brings them back into that parent child dynamic of like young child parent with authority and then shame and blame um, internalized uh, shame, which is then carried over into their adult life right because you work with you're talking about like if it's a
0: teenager and then
1: teenager even young adults too like this is what i kind of see in my young adults because they're becoming adults they're becoming uh they're, they're kind of like creating their own paths now really with um leaving the home pursuing uh careers education different opportunities relationships and they're really hopeful that if they bring this to their parent, that it will kind of open the door for a new relationship that is more equal. And they get to air these feelings that they've had when when the door is shut and they experience otherwise, and it's really painful. I, I can see the questioning everything, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, I call it merged parts because I do parts work with my clients. Mm-hmm. So they, ha- we all have parts that are merged with the people that oppress us. I also call that the self-hating voice. Um, what happens with family systems is that it reactivates the merged parts and the self-hating voices and the inner victimizer. And it can take a very long time to realize that that's not accurate (laughs) you have to go through it all again this happens to me like even with my ex-husband I'm just gonna say this in a very light way we have a totally different version of reality about why we broke up why our marriage ended and even after all this work and all this time and I'm in love with someone else and I've been with someone else for eight years my my ex can just make a little comment Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, that indicates how it was all my fault just a little passing comment about how, yeah, that's how you always were something like that. And it'll just send me I mean, I've gotten really good now. I mean, and now it can be in an hour. I can let it go, but it used to just kill me for like days and days and days. You know, it's that kind of thing. It just reactivates the the self attack. Yeah. Oh god, it was my fault. I am crazy. I'm fucking crazy. I made it all up. It was me. Blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff. And that's just a someone I had a relationship with. We're talking about someone like parents that you grew up and your brain was developed around them, you know. So I want to connect what we're talking about to non-coercive parenting. Let's try to connect it because harm is caused through coercion. Harm is caused through judgment, punishment withdrawal of love, blame, control of all kinds, parents being regressed, um, inappropriate sharing, oversharing, you know, adultifying your children. There's just so many ways that people harm harm their children that we're doing this podcast. We're desperately, desperately trying not to pass those things on. And it takes so much work and so much attention.
1: You know, this listener that writes in is a childless person. And look at, the way that they're thinking about non-coercive parenting in relationship to their own parents. And if they choose to have children, if they go and have children, that's an amazing start to breaking the cycle, you know, asking this question and thinking about, should I even talk to my parents, look at all of the new information that they have accumulated over the years. I just love that people don't even have kids and they're writing us with these thoughts, thinking about it in this way. And then it leads to, like you said, this greater topic of how to non-coercively parent if they choose to have kids or whoever else is listening that does have kids. Like what kind of relationship do you want with your child in the future? Right. And if you don't end up having a kid, then this person is
0: working on their inner child. That's that's what that is. It's like, oh, I'm listening. They wrote this whole thing that they've been really moved by our work. And somehow it's freeing something of their inner child so that's really cool
1: and that's why i think this show and this conversation like these conversations this topic um i saw someone on instagram they are a conscious parent doing parent coaching and they one of the things they had on their website it was like the reason i'm so passionate about this is because i believe it changes the world it changes Mm -hmm. the world changes relationships it changes the way we think about things it changes feeling of safety. It changes power structures. It changes sexism, racism, like it challenges all of these Mm. barriers to thriving that exist currently. And just in this question, like that's all in there because they're thinking about the way that they were raised. And when they think about confronting that, well, it's true that in this question, they're actually coming to us really wondering like, should, well, should I put myself first?
0: Oh. Right.
1: And, and we are saying, yeah, you know, put right. yourself first. Like what, what are you yeah. going to do if your folks are not open and will you, will you be able to, do you have a therapist that you can speak to about that? I really want this listener to feel like they can um, find ways of protecting that inner child. Right. After the fact, you know, if it goes the way that they didn't want it to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, it's funny because I just want to say something that I believe in therapy because I'm a therapist, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it really works. Like, well, the kind of therapy I do and the person that I am and the relationships I'm building with my clients, it really works. People are healing. People are – their hearts are opening. They're having big feelings. Their lives are changing. Their actual lives are changing. Um, And there's so ma- so many therapeutic modalities that I just really – think are very harmful that are the same they're they're hierarchical they're authoritarian and they're they just re uh they reenact the parent-child dynamic you know where the there's a there's a therapist who knows everything and gives advice and holds all their personal material to themselves and you're the one with all the problems and you know and there's no you don't really work on the old stuff and you talk about things
1: and uh would you say more about that i mean What if there's listeners out there that are like, what do you mean what types of therapeutic modalities, you know, what if the listeners are confused, what if they don't know,
0: I don't think it's the style of therapy. I mean, it could be because talk therapy can be I've heard so many because my work is really embodied. It's parts work. It's working with people's inner child and all their different parts. Mm -hmm. So it's very somatic. Mm-hmm. It's very emotionally based. We don't just chat. We don't yeah. just talk about stuff. And I don't give advice. Actually, I help. Or people.
1: like, um, you don't just give worksheets and homework and skills and all that sort of stuff, right?
0: No, it's not behavior focused, but exactly. it's also, I don't, I am not the person, I'm not the adult. I right. I help them find their own adult. So mm-hmm. it becomes deeply empowering for them. They have their own answers and I help them get to their own answer. I yeah. do educate them about trauma and how, you know, the brain and the body and how things are affected. We work on false beliefs and how false beliefs Can send you off your path for years, you know, the belief that, you know, you can't be close to people or you did something wrong or there's something inherently wrong with you or you'll always be alone or all the deep false beliefs that were created from your childhood and correcting those, updating those. But I don't really think it's about the modality because now that I've been a therapist for so long, I can say I hear story after story after story of really bad therapeutic relationships. And that's not about the training, that's about the therapist Mm. who didn't do the work. Yes. Didn't do the work, doesn't do the work, doesn't have the internal integrity mm. and they hurt their clients. That happens all the time, all the time, all the time. And I have to say that because I, I noticed that I want to say, do you have a therapist? You know, I ask a lot of people like, I don't know what to do. I'm out of control. My kid's out of control. And I'll be like, do you have a therapist? What's your support system? And I feel like there's got to be other support systems because sometimes in the in the, you know, in their
1: insurance or whatever, they can't find. Yeah. A therapist who's actually useful. Well, that's the worry with when people are um asking questions like this, you know, should I confront my parents about how they made me feel as a child? The answer to that, part of the answer to that is of course, well, only if you feel like you have people you can go to if it really feels like it was a hurtful conversation for you. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Thank you. You really got totally. that. It's like you need to have things in place, people, friends, family in place. To hold the truth for you, if yeah. your parents are going to then again reprogram you into thinking it's all you and you made it up and that never happened and you're the problem. And
1: yeah, absolutely. Because here's one thing I know for sure if somebody feels like this, like the listener says that they feel like gaslit or, or, you know, they had, they had, they're having this awakening that they were made the problem in their relationship with their parents and they're learning now that that's not true. I want that listener to be able to hold on to that truth. Even if if yeah. they have the conversation or not. I want that to be the um, to be the program, like you said, to 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 remain. And and what we see so much is when people do have conversations with their parents, it it puts them back into the, oh yeah, I am a idiot. I mean, after
0: my if my ex makes a little comment and it sends me, I have to call my like three friends and be like, Okay, this would happen. Am I an asshole? Am I mm-hmm. crazy? Uh, I have to talk to my inner child. Like I have to use all my tools. I tap, I do EFT. I have to do all my tools to get back to. You. I'm not crazy. You know, it's okay. You know, I have to I have to have all the things in place. And so if you don't have those things in place, you should not confront your parents. Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, you'll be alone like your little child was, right? Exactly. You'll be alone again. Don't put yourself through that. Yeah. Don't. Put and you
0: only through. want to do it not to get your parents to change, but because you need to speak up. That That's really... That's where you want to do it from is I need to say these things and honor my truth, whether my parents get it or not. I need to do That's it, for, it. Me. for me. Yeah. And
1: um when I'm with clients and we we talk about what's. The, the route we should take? Should we invite the parent in? Should we have a conversation? We do a lot of work with it's simple, but we look at the pros and the cons. What happens if this? What happens if that? What's the pros? Mm. What's the cons? What do we do? How are we going to mm. make a plan? Like we do a lot of organization of our feelings about whatever the outcome is and how we'll move forward together because that is terrifying to. As and then do
0: they do it and they come back to you and they'll be like, this is what happened. And then you process it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh huh. That's so cool. And I always want my client to know, you know, you're my client. I'm with you. Whatever happens with your parents, let's really hope it goes well. But if we have this mediated meeting and it goes to hell in a handbasket, like I'm with you at the end to make sure that you are still grounded in what we've been working on, which is you fucking are awesome. And this shit was created, right? Yeah, right.
0: And it, yeah, right. It really happened. It really hurts you. And it's why you act these certain ways. And that's not your
1: fault. All not of that. Fault. Yeah. I have a lot of like love in my heart for this listener because I'm just like um, I get the wanting to speak up from that child place of like, you know, here's what I know now and I want you to hear it. And I also know what it's like to be gaslit in that place.
0: There is the whole realm of how do I relate and be in contact with my parent who's really wounded. Like, I don't want to have no contact. I mean, it's I, I'm a no contact person because my history was so horrible. But I work with lots and lots of people. They don't want to have no contact. They want to have some contact. So then it's a deep, deep process of what kind of contact can you have? How much? Exactly. What does it look like?
1: You know, what tools are you using? inside of those even conversations those moments what do you do when they trigger you how do you respond like there's all that work that is done too yeah and there's also a lot of bypassing that a lot
0: of people do where they're just like oh well she you know like it's okay because they grew up in a different era and that's just how they are blah 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 like people well, normalizing are mature, too. yeah normalizing it and I, I i i don't i i take issue with that Like, to me, it doesn't matter. There's no good reason that your parent, it's not okay for them to be racist or sexist or transphobic. Like, there's just no, in my, that's just me. Because I'm a serious activist and I just, I don't know. But then you have to figure out, do you speak up every time or can you not spend as much time with them? Like, you know, if they can't, if they can't figure those things out and that's a big, long, therapeutic, maybe, process.
1: Yeah, and that's what we'll say. If you don't feel like you have the resources for, therapy um but you feel that you really want to talk to your folks as long as you feel like you have safe people that can bring you back to who you really are um and and the work that you have done up until this point so that you don't get trapped back there that's what i would say is really important is just to have that at least have some people that you can go to when you're back into your childlike place and questioning it all so that you don't kind of throw away the really great awareness that you've built over the last years you know that it still remains inside of you and you still really believe it because that's, what's really true. Yeah. Question two, do you think we have time for another quick one?
0: What kind of language do you use when you apologize to your kids? I can't remember either of my parents apologizing to me ever exclamation point. (laughs) I am still working to find better ways to handle myself when I am triggered, but I often find myself losing patience with my daughter. I am always sincere when I apologize after the fact, but I want her to really understand that it's not her fault when I become frustrated and overwhelmed.
1: So that's a great question. I love that. Hmm. Well, I'm curious with this listener. Like, what do they mean when they say I'm always sincere? That because because her parents were not. They never apologized, so I think she's saying. I really the the language they use. You know.
0: Well, I think she's saying, "I want to be different than my parents. I'm trying very hard to be different than my parents."
1: Well, see, what I'm getting is I I feel like she already is. They already are. I don't know the gender of the person. Let's say they they, then, since we don't Yeah, they already are. It looks like to me, just from what they said, I can't remember my parents' apologies to me ever. I'm still finding ways to handle myself on a trigger, but I lose patience. I'm always sincere when I apologize after the fact. Well, that's a great start. Always sincere. What does that mean? I'm curious about, you know what I mean? Yeah. What does sincere look like for this uh writer? Because if you're sincere when you're apologizing, to me, sincerity also takes accountability. Yeah. Um, it, it puts you at the center and not the child.
0: Also, apologies are gonna be different in terms of what language you, you use depending on the age of your child. Exactly. Well, yeah, so my it's... daughter is almost 12. and This child have... is
1: four, they said. Yes. Right, mother. so
0: that's going to be a different kind of apology than to my 12-year-old.
1: Yeah. Would um,
0: you give us an example of an apology that you would give to your child? Yeah, let's see. The other day, she was feeling really scared that someone was going to break into our house at night, and she was expressing a lot of fear, and I was trying to help which I think was fine. I was explaining we our doors are locked. No one I've ever known has ever had anyone break into their house. in the whole time I've lived in this town, our town is so safe. That's never happened to me in my whole life. It's very it's never going to happen to us. I try to say it's never going to happen to us, um, even though I don't know that for sure. Um, I tried all the things mm-hmm. I tried saying, you have angels all around you. We have angels around our house. We have guides that are keeping us safe. I mean, all this stuff, and it wasn't helping. And so she goes, mom, I'm just having these feelings. Hmm. So because we have this non-coercive, collaborative, conscious relationship, she's letting me know I'm trying to fix it too hard, too hard, trying basically to get rid of her feelings, which I was because I couldn't stand the fact that that's what she was. That's how she was scared. That that's what she was scared of was breaking my heart because I had that as a kid so bad. How can I make her feel secure and safe enough that she could not be scared? And I was really focused on that. And because of our relationship, she could tell me, you're just trying to fix it. It doesn't feel good. So I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to fix it because I don't want you to be in pain. But I'm here for your fear. And I'll just hold you. And I said, can I just hold you? And we actually did some tapping. We do EFT tapping. She actually tap on me. So I I tap on her.
1: (laughs) That's so sweet. We talk
0: about what she's scared of as we tap. But like a lot of times, it's not even what you say. It's just that you're willing to own that you're triggered. That's it. That's okay. it.
1: That's where I like what they said. I'm I'm always sincere when I apologize after the fact, but I, but they said, I really wanted to understand it's not her fault. Well, I think it sounds like they've got it. They've got the, the underlying, um, the basis for a, an apology that's meaningful. Yeah. As long as they continue to really be in that, that's kind of hard. Sometimes I think when we're actually apologizing in the moment, it's easy to be like, I know, honey, but you know, but you know, you're just being too loud or whatever, right? You just do the <laughs> butt thing. You jump in. It's like, I know, but like, yes, I got mad, but as long as we kind of stay with what, like what you did, like, I'm trying to fix it. You know, I'm trying to fix it. I'll, I'll just be here. Is there anything that you think I might do? You know, I would maybe jump into like the place of like connection, right? Instead of correction
0: again. Yeah. And, and also with my child again, because of how I'm raising her, I'll, I'll explain like sometimes I can't be nicer. I'm just being an asshole and I can't be nicer. So i have to just be like, sweetheart, I'm so triggered right now. It has nothing to do with you. Something's up for me. She usually doesn't really want to know what's up for me because she doesn't care. So that's fine. She shouldn't care. <laughs> I'll just say I'm really triggered about something and I'm really agitated and it's not about you. And if I act snappy, you know, it's not you and I'll try to work on it today, you know, uh, because I can't always fix it
1: let's give this listener let's try if it doesn't work we can take it out but let's try to give this listener an example maybe if we can with this if we've got a four-year-old we've got a parent who gets triggered losing patience they say let's imagine that situation you've got a four-year-old you lose your patience like all of us me i do it all the time don't don't you worry listeners i'm doing it too um with my 18 month old sounds so sad but it's, it's true she it, it happens How would an apology look for this listener with a four-year-old after they've lost patience with them? What do you think that would sound like?
0: like, what if they go in the room and the kid has spilled the something all over the floor? Yeah. The the thumbtacks all over the floor or sunflower seeds all over the floor, whatever. And you go and you walk in, you go, oh, I, what did you do? Yeah. Really like that. What did you do? Oh my God. This is, oh, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. That you always do this. You're always into everything. Let's imagine. And we're not, yeah, we're just making and this. And who's
0: going to clean this up? Who's right. going to clean this up? I am. Right. Because you're, you're not going to help you or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Imagine if you said something like, I-, I could see myself doing this. I told you, oh my God, we already, we talked about this. We talked about not getting into the fridge or not getting in the peanut butter. <laughs> you know, we already <laughs> talked about it. Like that's my, that's totally me. My patience is like, yeah, when your patience is totally zapped. Right. And you actually right. like lose it. And then what if what if the listener does that? That's happened. Do you think that they should apologize way later? Like timing might be something to discuss here, too. Like, should it be right away? Should it be a time when it's um everybody's regulated? Like, what should the listener do?
0: Well, Kara, you see, this is bringing up such a deeper issue around non-coercion. Yeah. Because if you are coercive and apologizing, who the fuck cares if you're apologizing? If you're controlling the shit out of your kid and then you keep apologizing, but you're still controlling them, your apology means nothing. That's why we have to talk. I know. It's like, how do we talk? If you're punishing your child and then you're apologizing and then you keep punishing them, who cares if you apologize?
1: Behavior change. Accountability means you do something about it. Yeah, Right. That's, that's, that's why sincerity, that's part of it. Being sincere, such a, such a foundational piece to it, but then changing after has yeah. to be the other part. We know this from like couples work, right? Like you can't just apologize, 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 and never do anything. Right.
0: About it. right. It's the same with our kids. So you can say, you know, people are very, 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 very triggered about mess and dirt and dirtiness and their children's dirtiness oh I my mean, god it's like one of the biggest triggers sleep food and mess okay um so if you don't go work on your own issues around your childhood and mess then you're just going to keep going off on your kid like it's and so apologies is is a it's not it's not the point i mean it's fine i mean it's better than not apologizing but really your kid's going to be internally rolling their
1: eyes If they know that the next day you're going to do the same thing. You're going to do it again. Right. So you're so right because this listener says, I want them to understand it's not their fault when I become frustrated and overwhelmed. Well, the only way that they will internalize that is if you do your own work. Right. Right. And actually then, and then you don't actually then lose your patience because you've done your work. Yeah. (laughs) Or you you apologize. And then you don't lose your patience on that again.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. But I, I, there are some triggers you work on for years,
1: years. Oh my God. Yes. And, and we should keep saying this in um the episodes because I'm always, I'm more and more conscious of like, I, we, I don't want to come off as somebody who like, it's so easy with my kid. I just apologize. And then I never do it again. No. Oh my God. Like you can't just say, I'm going to do the work, talk about it weekly with my therapist or, or my, my people that I speak with, or just generally and do some trigger notation and, and explore and all that. And then all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you're no longer triggered. It's like, it's, <laughs> right. you have to right. continue to strive. I would say continue, continue, continue. Can you do 1%, you know? Thank um, you for saying percentage. Cause I've been
0: triggered about bedtime with my daughter her entire life. Yeah. And I definitely am 20% better. Thank you. I think I can say I'm 20% less mean. Wow. Wow. And I was going to be feel shame that the fact that I'm still that triggered 12 years later. But the truth is, I am 20 percent less mean than I was. You know, less reactive, less shaming. And she's 50 percent more uh, proactive telling me that I'm out of line. So it's a it's a group effort.
1: Wow. That's such a huge part of it, too. And she knows Uh, it's
0: my fault, too, because she'll go, Mom, I know you're tired. I know you hate going to bed this late. But I had to take a shower, you know, <laughs> so she like, really. Catch
1: but Ruthia, I love that you just said that because that brings us back to this question. She knows it's about you and right. you're 20% better. Right. So look at you doing that apology, the sincere apology, changing 20%. You're not going to be a robot about it, but you're changing over time. You're yeah. also open with the changing, the triggers, yeah. what's triggering you, all that you're doing the sharing. And then she's calling you out and look at that beautiful kind of non-coercive exploratory relationship collaboration that you have within this, uh, this, what this question points to is, is apologizing, being sincere and then changing your behavior. It's not about not getting triggered. Right. Right. Like even when you do that work and you're hoping to not get triggered, we're all striving for that. I would love to be endless patients. Like, please, please somebody give me something that makes me never want to snap. That'd be amazing. I'd love to numb <laughs> myself. I really would. I'd love it. I'd love it. I hate, I hate being so uncomfortable with like overwhelm and anger. I hate it. I don't want that. Yeah. Alas, you know, alas, yeah. here I, am. I get angry and overwhelmed regularly. Um, but I want what you have. I don't want to not be triggered. I want to be authentic in myself and I want to apologize. I want to do better, even if it's only 1%. And I want my kid to call me the hell out for it.
0: Yeah. Well, your kids can only call you out if you give them permission to do that because you have an equal enough relationship. They they feel empowered and safe enough with you that they can call you out. And that's a whole lifestyle. And that's why we are making this podcast, because it's a many, many years study on how to stop talking down to your child and treating them like an object
1: you know what I would also say and I know we have to go but I would also say to this listener if the table was turned if this was somebody yelling at you and super Mm. triggered and lost their patience with you and snapped in the way that you snapped at your daughter like what would you want them to say Mm. and how would you want them to make you feel and then if you can um really sit with that are you able to then craft an apology that and 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 an action plan that makes your daughter feel that way
0: Also, is she buying it? I mean, why is this person questioning it so much? If she says, I'm sorry, and is her daughter go, it's okay, and they hug. Then what's mm-hmm. the problem? There's no mm-hmm. problem. So there must be more to this story, I imagine.
1: Or maybe it's just really their fear that they're like, oh God, I don't want to be my parents. I don't want to be my parents. Right. Maybe it's that right. like, maybe they're doing an amazing job with this. It right. sounds to me and maybe they are. Like, it sounds great what they're saying. The right. thing like, we can't do is give them a formula. And I know everybody wants that. It's like, just say this and it'll be all good. But what <laughs> they're script. saying, right. Like we can't give a script or a formula, but the, the listeners writing to us, like, I don't want to be my fucking parents. Yeah, yeah. Please help me make sure I'm not. Yeah. And we say to that, like, as long as you're connecting with your kid and you're changing your behavior to strive to become 1% better, treat them like an equal, do all that. Like you're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Even your questions just show that you're on the path. I love all of your questions, you guys. And make me really like feel like we're all together in this. Oh, we all just hug one day. We
0: should do an in-person meetup. Ooh, me and you, okay. Karen, okay. and I've
1: never met in person. We've never so- met in person. What about all the listeners, a house party, a party at my house? <laughs> Karen and I like, like long to hug someday. We want to hug each other. <laughs> I want to give Rhea a kiss on the cheek really bad.
0: All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining us. Send us your questions. We will try to answer them. And thank you for listening. We're so grateful. Yeah, we love you guys.
1: This has been Your Kids Don't Suck. You can find me, Kara Tedstone, at www.karatedstonetherapy.com and on Instagram at karatedstonetherapy. On my website, you'll find links to recommended readings and a link to my Reparenting with Mindfulness workbook, available now on Amazon.
0: You can find me, Rathia Lee, at www.rithia.com. That's R-Y-T-H-E-A. Com. There you'll find published books, articles, and music and parenting videos. Also, I'm on TikTok at Rathia Lee, on Instagram at Rathia Lee. You can book parent mentoring sessions with me through my website. And also, I have an advice from a Loving Bitch YouTube show that helps people heal self-hatred, and that's rathia.com slash advice. It is important and essential to put our voices, Ruthia and Kara, in a context. We are two white, cisgendered, straight, middle-class women living with financial and societal privilege. Because of this, our perspectives are limited and do not reflect the realities of all of our listeners. This podcast will feature guests with expertise around conscious parenting who differ in race, class, abilities, sexual orientation, and histories from us to broaden the conversation and reflect the lives of as many people as possible. 25% of the proceeds of this podcast will go to creators of color who have been mentors and influences on our work and in our growth as parents.
1: If you like our show, please subscribe and stay tuned for more conscious parenting advice and insights. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash suck to donate and connect with us.